everybody. My name is Keith Fleeman. I'm Hills Pet Nutrition Global Digital Lead. And so uh, across the world, I'm responsible for the online experience for our pet parents and our pet professionals. On, on that, Keith, as well. So, yeah, you say it was a glo- you've got a global remit. Do you often have different parts of yeah, the world sort of turning up to ask you for your strategy for? Yeah, we, we, have a, we, we consider ourselves more of a, like a network practice where um, a lot of the, the main strategy and the direction are going to come from the globe. So from the center, if you will, and we push out a lot of strategy and direction, but I recruit a lot in, um, in let's just say the Europe and CME regions, Asia, LATAM, uh, to ask, hey, if you, if you guys have a resource and capacity, let's test out new things. Let's, let's see how well it fits within the strategy, because frankly, you know, the U.S. is a, is a very big part of our business and it's a very big user group that helps us define what our strategies are but it's not the only audience right we we have to be very open-minded about uh, the new platforms that are out there and the new technology that works especially the the messages that are combined with those so having the different in the insights from all of the the different global partners are invaluable and frankly we save a lot of money in, in terms of panel insights by just doing the right things in market at the right time but you mentioned like pet parents and like pet professionals. So they, they're the two, they're the two big uh, audiences or, or I don't call them customer bases, but the groups that you're thinking about when it comes to the work that you guys are doing, like the, the, the personas in many ways. Yeah. So those are two very, very distinct and very specific segments that we, we look at, right? Um, the, the pet parents are going to be the you and me, right? And the, and the love that we have for our, our cats and dogs. Um, we share pet affinity. Uh, and we also look at our pet professionals as those that recommend our brand that understand the science behind what we do. And so the, the message is, is tailored to each audience set um, and where, where we look to engage them. And we're obsessed with this idea of, of the gravity hub of, of a, a notion where we're pulling them closer to us. And um, in doing so, we understand the the messages that really resonate with them and the mechanics in, in the the life journeys that they're going through from adopting a pet to later on stages or from getting a patient to making that recommendation so we're really super uh, obsessed with the data but also our intellectual or emotional intelligence on you know what what message will work the best and what are people really wanting out of a brand and those are the i think those are the distinct areas that we're looking at on a day-to-day basis that make their overall strategy I've got a dog. I come from a dog obsessed family as well. We used to have Bernie's mountain dogs. We've got like a Jindo Corgi now. Kayla has got dogs and foxes underneath the house. Foxes. (laughs) Yes. We have, yeah, we had foxes move in under our deck this spring. It was, there was dead animals everywhere in our yard. So we're we're all very, very pet focused in on, on this call, which is, which is good. When we're thinking about CPG and, and pets keep as well, what struck me is how we do like, with lots of the, you know, your everyday uh, produce that we pick up, yes, for ourselves, like soap or like beans or, or food or foodstuffs, we will do a little bit of research, I'm sure. We might just have habits. But when it comes to the pets, even, you know, they actually take the next level of interest for people, don't they? People take that all very serious. And you mentioned the emotional connection and the work that you guys do there. But yeah, the, the, the concern for making sure they're, they're buying the right product for their pets is actually almost a different to the way they treat themselves sometimes. So that, does that make life extremely interesting for me when it comes to, yeah, what, what, what to do with the, the product lines? It makes, it makes it extremely easy. First of all, like backing up, you, you hit a great point. CPGs, you know, when you think about them, and even when I went and came into this role, I'm thinking pet, food, 
consumer packaged goods. I, I thought it was miscategorized, but you know, like, there's a huge passion for pets, it's pet culture. There's a love. I mean, there is a real, you don't go, oh my God, I love my soap. I can't wait till I get to the, the shelves at the, my local grocery store. But pet food is important and almost nearly more important than people are, are, are getting with the food that they're putting in their mouths. Um, pets are small kids now, nowadays, and, and it's, it makes life so intriguing, but it's also, it, it's, it's almost like doing, it's not even work, it's so much fun sometimes. Feeding them correctly is, is so utterly important and for, for us to be a, a very large player in that category, we have, to, we have to have fun. We obviously have to encourage um, an even more impactful relationship between pet parents and pets, but we also take it very seriously. I mean, this, is, uh, this could be life or death for a pet and that's a family member and it makes it very, very honored. Like we, we have a very strong um, reputation and we, we like to uphold it because we, we love pets. How big is Hills Pet? The number of brands, number of regions, um, it's a big beast, right? <laughs> It's a big beast, yeah. So uh, Hills has been in business for nearly 70 years. Um, we are actually a subsidiary of Colgate. So if you've heard of us, you probably haven't heard Hills the master brand, but you've heard Science Diet or Prescription Diet. You've either seen it um, on your on your uh, pet store shelf or your veterinarian uh, when you go into clinic for your checkups. We're usually on shelf there. Uh, we we have uh, a dedicated um, pet nutrition uh academy and and, and uh, a place reserved out in Kansas where we just study small animals and we um, we make sure that you know the taste and the smell and the the uh, the feel of the food it is uh, it's something that goes into technology and the, and to make sure that we are pushing the best nutrition possible for small animals we're a large company I mean we're we're live and, and active in um, I would say close to 40 countries uh, across Europe, Simi, Latam, Asia, Australia. So we have a broad reach um, and we've got a really, really large network of professionals that we not only you know, speak to and, and talk about nutrition and talk about the way that, that food actually, you know, it can be a representation of, um, or a, a, another option in, instead of medicine. Um, and so we're talking about all of the, um, food guides and, and food plans that pets have and how nutrition plays a role within um, within wellness and within therapeutic uh, diets. Regarding the data strategy, just can you kind of help us understand like in the past 12 months, what projects have you been working on to help pull data, pull in more data from your consumers? Sure. Yeah, we're, we're actually admittedly, we were on this journey before for COVID. And so we are um, across the globe onboarding a more complete holistic CRM strategy. And so we're, we're working with a specific partner and, and uh, to be honest with you, being in global and, and for all of you that are in global, it is a, an interesting world because everybody has their own, their own philosophies and their own ways of, of handling their local business. And so for us, from a global capacity, trying to articulate a, a larger data idea and why it's so important and then going into these regions and these smaller countries and seeing what data they have it's it's like the worst garage fall cleaning that you've ever done you're finding data in little small pockets it's opted in it's not opted in um, you've got gdpr you're dealing with in europe you've got a lot of data standards and with privacy you know these are important elements that we, we're not quick to ignore 
we have to have governance and we have to have all of this. So we're, we're cleaning house basically. And for good reason, right? We've got pets, parents that are utterly important to our business. And so what we're doing is, is starting to map what their, what their journeys look like against what messaging that we're pushing through, getting them on tracks and automating our business, so to speak. And then we're also looking at the tracks of professionals and we've got partners and we've got shelters out there and we've got so many different audience members that we have to fundamentally, you know, it is an expectation from all users, right? That my, the brands that are out there, the businesses I do business with, they understand me they know who I am and what I'm doing and what I, they need to know my expectation. And so for us to be pulling in data from a global footprint, right? And then to understand at the individual level, macro to micro, is, is so important for us. And so we're going on a data journey. Uh, we're, we're cleaning house and then we're starting to revitalize what our messaging looks like in a more automated way, but also with that taste of personalization. And then from another aspect, our professional journey is starting to get revamped too. If you can, if you're following, we've got that pet parent, but then we also have veterinarians and college professors and, and vet clinics that, um, that are doing business and that have that really strong technological um, in education and all of this, this background. And so our messages are tailored differently to them, right? We need to know that they're interested in grain-free or they're interested in new product types, new different forms. Um, those are utterly important, but the, we're finding that the journeys are that we put them on even um, have become have become disparate, and so what we're doing is collapsing and and looking at more of a user centric type of strategy and role um, for Hills. And we're starting to pull all the tools that we have together, give them a complete redesign, pull in the data, and make sure technology works together. And so it's not really building this new thing, but it's taking a new approach of let's get inside of their minds, let's walk a day in their shoes, and let's go through the experience and the sort of, instead of being a barrier, break them down. And so the, the experience is just delightful, right? It's something that you look forward to. How did you guys start from a strategic point of view of, do you look for certain data points in every country say that you go, actually, we know what pet they have, that's a good starting point. We know what food they're on, that's a good starting point. With the data cleansing you're doing, what, yeah, where do you even begin? We begin with what we have, right? And so right now, it's it's it is based off of the region. It's based off the country, and um, it's honestly you start with a baseline of what you believe that you're going to have. We're all going to probably opt in with the same amount of data. Progressive profiling is going to be one of the most important things. Um, we learned this from LinkedIn, right? All of us have gone through LinkedIn and probably have 102 percent profile completion because you couldn't. You couldn't just bear to be at 98%, right? You had to continue to, to add that in. And where we start is just that baseline of knowing who you are at the, at the individual level, right? And let's just start there uh, because we want, we want the consumer and we want the pet parent and whoever is our audience to trust. Um, we want the relationship to be there. So um, I think gone are the days where you can anticipate you're throwing a 20 field form in front of somebody and then trust that they'll just fill fill it in and just give you the data data is becoming more more valuable than you know the, the dollar or the pound it is currency at this stage right and so 
we have to earn um, privilege to get to this data. And so I think asking for a, a little bit of information and then the more that the relationship becomes you know, down the road, if you want to get more data, that is, I think, that strategy that we're looking towards is let's normalize because not all countries and regions, especially that are governed by different rules, are going to allow everything to be put into place. But we're going to build an architecture to house it no matter what. And then we'll start working on the journey and strategies to, to get and gain that type of information. And it's not because we just want to know everything. I think we're all, as marketers, we're all in tune with this idea that you know, we, we want to know them to make their experience better. We want the message to be more uh, particular, more specific for, for who they are. We want it to resonate. And that's the idea. That's the, I, I hope deep, deeply down, that's the ethical ambition is we want to make marketing a better experience for everybody, not just to own all of the data and, and know everything. Um, and I think that's our responsibility is to make sure that when we're asking for it, the trust is there. And if it's not, go earn it. And once you get that data, utilize it for the good of the relationship and the experience as opposed to reselling it or putting it in different spaces that don't make sense. Perhaps you guys are a little bit further down the road in thinking when it comes to your approach because of the, the nature of pets, as you said already. They're so important that actually you really have to understand pet owners and what they care about in a way that other CPG brands can be a bit more flippant. Do you feel like you're, you're quite established though in, in the space where understanding your consumers is, is the most important thing? Because let's face it, the industry as a whole has often shunted it to being, we'll, we'll build the product and we'll make some nice advertising and then they can find it for themselves in a retail store or a shop or maybe online for a third seller. They've never really had that direct relationship. None of us have that option anymore, right? We're living in a really, let's take just inventory real quick. Um, cookies are dying, right? They're, we're not gonna be able to do third party sharing a lot of the time. People are flocking to the internet at, at historic levels and it's not gonna slow down. And they're expecting brands to stand out from each other. So what options do we have? We can't rely on Facebook and Google anymore for the large uh, third-party data. We, we have to establish more of a, a creative way and utilize our emotional intelligence to utilize that message and get in front of people and, and really flex our muscles in terms of the spaces that we we're actually good at. Um, and for us, we, we live pet culture and we love what our audience loves. And to a degree, you could use data and you can use this information to understand where they're, you know, all of the who, what, where, and whys, um, but the, the color of the walls or the emotional, uh, the way that you portray your brand, those are going to come from, you know, here and here in the hearts and minds of our marketers to our, our audiences. And that's what we're going to try to win over. Um, you can only go so far with your data and understanding who is resonating well with it, but you use data to kind of directionally steer your marketing strategy, and then you use your data to say it worked or not. Um, but everywhere in between, I think you have to go out and have those conversations. You have to be in tune with the calls that are coming in, the posts that people are, are saying about how happy or how mad they are with your product or your service. Um, those are the, all the, the, we'll call it data if you want to, but um, let's just, you know, these are people behind the data. We can't, that's the fine line I think we need to be very, very careful about is where we cross that line of people becoming just a number or, you know, the, we're putting a number to a heart and a mind that 
that has preference and stand, you know, that stands for something. I think we can't lose them, but we can't lose sight of that, especially how digital we're getting and considering how disconnected we are. This is one of those ones that's a dangerous rabbit hole because I literally could talk about yeah. this for, for hours. We could, hours, we but... could. Let's clear the day. The heart of everything that's happening, certainly broadly right. in marketing, but of this very specifically in, in, in the world that you know you inhabit and, and the work that's being done there. Yeah, Kayla, is there anything you wanted to, to, to ask as well? So with the fact that you're not always directly with the consumer, like sometimes they're buying it off the store shelf, et cetera, where do you, how do you capture that data or... Is there anything that you guys are looking into to be able to identify those consumers at the store? Uh, I think social is is a way for us to to really hone in on that. Um, we we have the fortunate um, <clears throat> our audience is very vocal uh, in in social media and and frankly so they they if pet culture goes alongside of meme culture right and it, it is all about the cat and dog videos but it's it's just utterly easy to share all of the great stories um it, whether it be just the the transformation story of your dog who was diagnosed with um some type of cancer or some type of uh, kidney issues um and some of your nutrition that that helped bring them and revive them back or you know those those are the stories that we we hint up to in terms of purchase data we get purchase data everywhere and we we work just like every other cpg with with the big players to understand what what, if, what does fulfillment look like i mean for the but for the most part we do the the traditional brand studies and we we do the path to purchase uh uh investments so we understand you know what what tactics are, are resonating to get them to the purchase area um, but for the most part what you're looking for is is good solid partnerships with with your retailers um to ensure that you're <clears throat> you're tying your great campaign data um and and the investment areas that you're looking at uh and and you're repurposing them and you're really you're really really optimizing them with with your partners you know the transparency is not always there um i think we all feel that we would love to get more data from them to understand um where and how and why are we as a brand differentiating from the other uh, competitors that are there. But for the most part, we use a lot of proxies and we utilize social data to help us understand what the, what the consumer is looking for. And plus, you know, we're, we're fulfilling all of the, the inventory. So we know what's moving. We know what product is, is, is uh, the favorites, if you will. Um, and, but for the most part, uh, having those day-to-day -day conversations with people, um, not only um, your consumers, but your vet, your vet partners, your retailers, your e-commerce giants, um, having uh, lucrative and very meaningful conversations with them is, is what we're about. It's, it's, it's got to be a culture of a transparency for us. How you guys track your great campaign stuff and you make sure that that's tied in with the stuff you're working with partners so that you can sort of look for correlations and, and information there. It's a lot of work, I'm sure, but that's a, that's a great way of doing it. We're not, we're, not, um, we're not lacking in the data category, for sure. If anything, we're lacking in the people that can uh, work through the data and get the insights from it. Um, and final on this, Keith, with with the campaigns as well, like I'm more the mechanics, but um, I guess you have to you have to broach all of the different ways that people can consume them now from from offers uh, from through partner offers in store or through. We're going to talk a little bit about the relationships you have with vets in a minute, but yeah, there's, there's the offers world. There's I guess on pack stuff that um, or just pushing people to the website on digital properties where they. Really, it's more of, a, I'm sure, an educational element, but people go to the websites, they find out and get more brand affinity. Um, 
do, do you have any of any of that strategy work in, in your team working out yeah the sort of the physical and the and the digital we this is a good that's a really great question i and again another topic that we could just dive into uh, wholeheartedly for the day i we have first of all a culture of testing um and so we love looking at new mediums and we love when our um we love getting new products right from facebook and google and, and help instagram and seeing what we could do with them because they're you know pets and cat dogs and cats are, are so dynamic and so versatile you can really expose and um and have really great content that res resonates and resembles the relationships that, that pets and uh, parents have. Uh, so we look for inspiration in different spaces, right? We look for inspiration from Facebook, from Instagram. We look at creators. Um, we, we struggle a little bit because it's a global strategy. And what we try to do is make something that can be reused across because if we utilize something only for one region or one um, one country, you know, what really what good is it? So we look to make something that can be um, evergreen. Um, we, we, we found when we first started with our content journey, uh, probably about five or six years ago, we've identified like everyone was getting on National Cat Day and, and Mother's Day and Father's Day and all these days, but we were creating all this content that could be used for one day of the year, right? So how do you how do you actually create a content strategy that we can create something and then send out to the rest of the globe that can use it any any month, any day, any week? We started to capitalize on the infotainment area where all of the content was starting to resonate with, with not only the technical aspect, but also, you know, this is a boring subject and you guys make it fun and you know what you're talking about. And that's where I think the, the cornerstone is. That's where we, we started to intersect. Um, because our content strategy was starting to evolve. It was starting to become more about, you know, the pet culture and the relationship as opposed to just pet nutrition. And that helped open up a lot of different ideas of, uh, well, when people are searching for this content, when, when people are reading through it, it's helping us understand what people are interested in most. One of the biggest articles that we had last year, why is my dog sitting on me? Who knew, right? But that happens a lot. And people research like that, for, they research information like that. Why, why can't dogs eat chocolate? Why are dogs eating grass? Why does my, how do I clean my cat's ears? Things like that that are about pet care and you know, really the, the important elements. Um, that's what we, we started to articulate in our content strategy. And then it can be reutilized across the globe for everybody because it's a universal element. And so that's where we started to find more of a, a corner in the market, if you will, um, against our competitors, because we were evaluating our content in a more meaningful way. Away from developing these direct-to-consumer relationships, the Hills Pet strategy really works directly with a lot of these vet, prof vet professionals to get the products out there. How are you guys approaching the digital marketing strategy around those more specialty items? About two years ago, we... we we went through the macro journey exercise of looking from when, you know, little Susie wants to be a vet, right? And she's got this ambition when she's in elementary school, goes into, I mean, literally it just trans it, it progresses that way. She goes to vet school and then she gets um, into a practice as a vet technician and then she finishes her degree and maybe moonlights in several different practices so much so that she ends up with her own practice and she has that for years and then she ends up kind of going into the retirement phase across that. What type of message do we need to, to think about right when when these things are happening right now, how do we get into stem right, how do we 
how do we help the culture around us? Because we, we love pets, we love pet parents and all that stuff. But if you really look at the fundamental, the foundational element of our business, it's education and, and technology um, around small animal health and all of this, um, all of this to be said, it's an important element for us, you know, technology education, it is fond fundamentally where, um, where, where our vets are making the recommendation is where we couldn't do business without them. We, we literally would be nothing without our vet communities. And so we're, we're pumping our way into vet schools and we're finding, you know, that the, um, that area of vet world is, is starting to be, it's becoming a new and different audience than it was 30, 40 years ago. And so getting on Instagram and getting on Facebook groups and sharing insights, not only about our, our, our food and our technology, but what it's like to be a vet. You know, they, they, they really struggle um, with right now with, with being able to interact with, with patients because of COVID. And they really struggle with um, student loan debt and they really struggle with being a profitable business. And so those are the areas that we, we talk into, you know, we, we, we broker different relationships with, with speakers to come in and we sponsor to make sure that they get the support that they're looking for because it's more, it's more important for us. That they have a healthy, um, a healthy business model and a healthy way of doing what they need to be doing. Right. Which is caring for health, uh, caring for pets at a deeper level that has an emotional toll and we're there not only to help provide the food and the assistance that we, we obviously can, can support from a business standpoint, but also from the emotional level as well. So the digital tactics that we use are completely tailored to every step in that journey. And we take a step back and we look and optimize and, um, based upon those because you have a different vet today than you did with um, a vet. 20, 30 years ago, and everyone's adopting digital in a very, very a great way, but it still left a lot of people blindsided. Looking at the big, the data journey, which is something that you guys said you're on, and I completely see it from, from the other CPG brands we're on. Right now, we're at the, uh, I like that, the clean house, spring clean phase, where, you know, there's lots of data, now we need to work out what to do with it and how it can be optimized. That is then fueling the next key thing, which I'm sure, which I know you're already in part of, which is better messaging and personalization at the end of that towards the end of this would be how how do you formalize or is there even a need to formalize like a loyalty type program do we look would you look to move these individuals who you now communicating with on a, on a personalized level into a, a more formalized loyalty structure I think uh, let's step aside the CPG world for a second. If you're if you don't have a loyalty program, you, you're probably going to be left in the dust. Um, we we're we're expecting and it's table stakes now at this point, but now everyone flocking to online and roadside and all of this this different element of of being um, in business. I think you have to have a sticking point that's a little bit you know uh, a little bit different than the, your, your competitor down the road. We have to stand out, and I, I think just a consumer message that's going to resonate is one thing. But uh, having value in the relationship is going to be another. And it's it's I think the loyalty program um, that has a tangibility of of how lucrative my relationship is with a brand is vitally important. People are looking for that. Um, at the end of the day, they're looking for for something to hold on to. And for brand, I, I think that emotional connection is, um, it can only go so far. Having a loyalty program, not only I think from a brand level helps um, to, for them, to, for a brand 
to take inventory of the important elements. What's the value proposition of what they're doing? You know, really looking inside themselves and looking to redefine their brand a little bit more so than just pushing out messaging and spraying and praying, et cetera. Um, but the consumer is looking for something that I, I think they can they can look to that says, wow, look at this pile of value that I have in this brand. This is why I'm going to go back. This is why I'm not even going to research other elements because at the end of the day, I know that I, I have a great product and I know that they're rewarding me for being loyal. Loyalty is um, is, is just an invaluable metric that I think that we is another way, right? We've got social listening. We've got insights built out of search, all of the stuff. I think the next iteration is, is figuring out how to, to, to really categorize and uh, to measure loyalty. What marketing channel do you think is the most underrated? The, the guy that you hire at the corner with the sign that spins? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, <laughs> that would be I a, I put that as a headline. Um, I, I think in-store digital is, is probably one of the most underrated. I, I think that um, the, the retailers that you see utilizing it are, are so dynamic in the presentation styles and the ability to, to optimize, you know, McDonald's for an example, right? Everything is digitalized. Everything is digitized. I bet they didn't have as hard a time with all of the traditional retailers that do planograms and have to swap out paper and everything. They just changed what, what inventory was available to what the messaging. And if you think about it, you know, if we could have more interactive in-store digital elements, it would help us get more educated as we're, um, you guys have been in the aisle recently, I'm hoping. You're looking for customer reviews. You're looking for a way to engage. I would love to see where offline and online meet real, real, like literally where you can engage the most and you can dig further and you can look at reviews and you can look at their competition and you can, you can see all of these things and to be more educated in your, your, your purchase decision. Um, I think that's the more, more underrated. Um, and we have to figure that out. Like with, we, the retailers are going to have to figure this out. And for us as, as, as brands, how to help them get there because just the traditional, uh, print material that we were wasting, first of all, um, from, a from an eco-friendly perspective. Um, I, I feel like we, we have just this, this massive opportunity there to, to create something of a, an online in-store experience that's so, more, so much more robust than it is. Which technology or trend are you most excited about for the coming months? I have a little, um, I have a little ambition around AR. I love augmented reality. I love where it's going. I, I follow um, a lot of AR stuff. The, the, the beauty of following it is just the inspirational element that it brings because it's so creative in the way that people are utilizing it. So people are utilizing it in so, so many different ways, like you know, taking a snapshot of your dog um, who's overweight or obese um, and give me a glimpse or picture of what he should look like. I think those are you know, elements that helps in inspire and get the creative juices running. These things help for, for people, not only of how they're utilizing it, but when they're utilizing your product, how, what is the outcome? What does it look like? How do I benefit from utilizing your product? Um, augmented reality is, I think, something that, that really brands should be looking at. Uh, we tried dipped into virtual reality, but AR, I think, is, is where you can, you can take the, the, the realness of what you have around you and apply what your product can do as a value to see what the outcome would look like. I couldn't ask for any more. So thank you very much. Oh, really? So good. Yeah. I hope it was helpful for the masses. Um, and uh, you guys were brilliant uh, uh, at, at interviewing. So great job.